Welcome to the African American Vintage Quilter Talks. I am Laura Casmore, not your traditional vintage quilter, but a lover of vintage quilts. Over the years, I've had the pleasure of meeting many who have had great memories of their family members quilting when they were younger. African American women have been making quilts since the 17th century. They started out as enslaved women, quilting, sewing, weaving, and anything they could do with their hands for the plantations and other wealthy houses. Differences in fabrics used are documented between the North and South in America. In the North, heavier fabrics were used, but in the South, where it was warmer, lighter fabrics were used for clothing and quilting. When they could, they would take the scraps from the items made and make quilts to keep their families warm throughout the cold nights. These quilts were later branded utilitarian quilts, those made with a purpose. After the Emancipation Proclamation and the freeing of slaves, a lot of the African American women went to work as domestics and some moved north to work in factories. This new freedom did not give the African American women free time. They still had long hours of working for others. Quilts were still being made out of necessity using fabric scraps feed sacks, and old clothing. The skills of these women created patterns such as sawtooth, feathered star, nine patch, and many other complex designs. Because they created patterns and learned patterns from others, the women were able to make quilts not only purposeful, but also beautiful. The women began to make quilting beads where they would gather at one home to collectively finish a quilt. This quilting time together was as much social as functional. Young girls were taught young how to sew and quilt as a skill to provide for their family. Let's listen to Delores Kendrick speak of how she was introduced to quilting growing up. I came up as a young girl. I was about six or seven years old and I stayed with my grandmother and my grandmother, both of them. Really, I used to see them all get together and the ladies would come over and they would get pieces together and sit down and start putting together and piecing together. And me being small, they would always say, well, you got to get back, can't do it. But I'm so inquisitive, so I just sit there and watch them, you know, do it. And they would all get together and put the pieces out on this big old canvas board. They said a stick horse. They would all, you know, start piecing and all of them would do it. My grandmother, she would sometime already have pieces already laid out like a, you know. Cool blocks. I didn't know at the time. All I seen was little cubes of stuff. Uh-huh. And they would take all kinds of stuff. They would take the clothes that they wear and cut them up and make pieces out of it. You know, and then uh, sewing on the sewing machine, I got the experience seeing the paddle one. I never had seen that little. The treadle. And I couldn't put my foot on it, but I was trying my best. They let me, got up there, they hold me there, put my feet up on it. And that was exciting to me. I was always the one that I would stay inside with the elders. You know, and they would always teach me stuff. They gave me little remnants of fabric to make dog clothes. So I've been sewing 
just by with the needle and thread myself for a long time because that's what they would give me to kind of get me contented to be in that area where they were at when they would be quilting. Quilting beads were formed through church groups and communities. Sometimes it was a family thing, sometimes an impromptu gathering to celebrate an event. Rhonda Masters talks about the quilt she inherited from her grandmother and grandmother's sisters. Quilt making came from my grandmother. She and her sisters quilted. My grandmother, Blanche Masters, and her sisters quilted, and they're from Central Texas, the Marlin, Texas area. And we had a few quilts at our house. But when my grandmother passed away, they brought us to the family home and told us to take whatever memorials or keepsakes that we would like to have. And then my mother said, oh, you would have found Grandma's cedar chest. Later, when I actually really explored into the cedar chest, many unfinished quilt tops. And so it was like, oh, wow, these are great. And at the time when my grandmother had passed, there was a lot of discussion in the family about grandma's quilts and my father I remember he took a few quilts and they were like I guess now we will call them utility quilts and he, he talked about oh I can remember sleeping under these and they were so heavy and the cotton and the, the ticking fabric. When a lot of a lot of times when people talk about uh, African-American benches quilts they always thought I mean we made utility quilts but they always, they refer to our quilts as scrap quilts. I'm looking at this beautiful quilt and here, grandmother or auntie has patterned. They made patterns. Yes, and this is not really a scrap quilt. It's this not is, a scrap quilt. This is all the same fabric yeah. with the basic. It's the, it's the same colorway. With the yellows and oranges. And it's a flower sack. You can, yeah. some of you can see the stamp. Feed sack. It's hand quilted. Look how the quilting on the back. Mm -hmm. It's lovely. Phyllis Simpson has fond memories of inheriting her Aunt Matt's quilt. Are there any other quilt makers among your family? Yes. My grandmother was a quilter and she passed it along to my oldest aunt who was a quilter. And both ladies quilted by hand. And my grandmother had a, a treader machine and she would let me pump it. And so um, I pumped while she quilted. <laughs> and my aunt, I never actually quilt with her. I just saw the results of her quilt. In fact, when she died, her daughter, gave me all the tops that my Aunt Matt had made and she had accumulated 42 tops. My cousin gave them to me and I proceeded to quilt them with a long arm quilter, not by hand like she had done. And again, going to my Aunt Matt, learning from her some of the patterns that she used in today's society, I would consider them 
pretty hard to make. Yet, way back in the 60s and the 70s, she was making these hard quilts. As a second generation quilter, I have had the opportunity to hear wonderful tales of how these ladies would gather together and work on a quilt weekly for someone. These beautiful works of art are now becoming extinct due to the generations now not knowing the treasures they hold both in heritage and culturally. Walking the floors of the International Quilt Festival in Houston and sitting in various lectures throughout the years, I have heard those that think they are authoritarians on African American quilting speak as if our work was secondhand. The world seems to have forgotten the works of the enslaved woman who worked dust to dawn creating beautiful items for the big houses. Historians like to focus on the written word, not the spoken word or quilted. Today and always, we have quilted in the same styles as other cultures. Yes, we may have included our African influences of strong color contrasts, asymmetry, and large designs as a twist to the Euro-American works. Yes, we as African-American quilters have our own way of producing things, but our work is beautiful in its own right. I hope you have enjoyed listening to the African-American Vintage Quilter Talks. This episode was hosted and directed by Laura Casmore, a 2022 Community Folklife Fellow. The Folklorist Next Door is brought to you by Texas Folklife. Our technical producer is J.A. Strub. Our executive producer is Janelle Ramirez. To learn more about the fellows and their projects, visit texasfolklife.org. This project is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts.